0: Welcome to Everything Imaginable, a podcast for curious minds, KGRA Radio. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I'm your host, Gary Cacciolillo, and today we have Ron Moorhead, author of Quantum Bigfoot and Voices in the Wilderness. Thank you for coming on, Ron.
1: Thank you, Gary, for having me.
0: <clears throat> so, um, Yeah, I know, um, I actually read, I uh, opportunity, I read about maybe a quarter of your Quantum Bigfoot book last night, and um, like, you're definitely not one of the people that are jumping on the Bigfoot bandwagon. You've been in this for quite a long time.
1: Well, I used to be in the bandwagon. I used to be one of those guys, yeah. <laughs> until I started looking into some of the mystical things that happened to us at the camp and people have been reporting to me for 50 years. So I started trying to find the science that could be responsible for some of the things that were being reported. And that led me into my last book, The Quantum Bigfoot, because I think there's a, a reality that people aren't understanding and that's what my subject's all about, is trying to get people to hopefully understand that there's more going on than what meets the eye.
2: Yes.
0: Um, I had also interviewed a guy uh, a few months ago. He was from Vancouver um, and he was Native American. And he told me a story about a tribe of uh, a tribe of Indians that just kind of walked away from society, went out and lived on their own and evolved into Bigfoot. Um, now you go into a much different um, theories on Bigfoot, but uh, before we start, really jump into it what what is it that got you interested in this topic to begin with
1: well it was uh, 1971 i was 29 years old then and uh i had some friends that were hunters and they uh they came out of the mountains with a story uh that was just fantastic uh these things were whatever they were they were big leaving big prints and uh one of the guys got scared off it was so so uh dynamic you heard the sounds are pretty pretty incredible and uh, very frightening he wouldn't go back very religious person he just didn't know where to put that in his in his paradigm <laughs> it was just <laughs> not too uh, crazy and yeah. he wouldn't go back by himself but the guys didn't come out when they were supposed to so all the wives were worried and I was a friend of their families so, uh, so he asked me if I'd go back with him and the wives wanted me to so I did I was anxious to because I wanted to see you know, know what I was in for but Whatever it was, I was invulnerable at 29 years old, like so much of us are, <laughs> <you> know. <laughs> so I went up with him. be about kill me getting me in because it was such a an aggressive trail and such an imposing area to get to. But uh, anyway, I went in. That got me involved in 1971. I did see a big print that was left. The men were not harmed. They were fine. They were actually just packing to come out just a day late. But uh, anyway... Um, that's what got me started and i started going back i became a hunter that, that after that bought guns horses like mm-hmm. the other guys had so i wanted to be part of the group and i was invited to be part of the group so that was exciting to me that's what got me started and we started going back in with the recorders these things came around more they kept coming around and we we were recording them and it wasn't until oh. 72 when uh, we got a uh, well the leader of the group, Warren Johnson, he's about mm-hmm. 10 years my senior, he's passed away now, but he's, uh, he. Uh, in 1958, they started going up there, him and his brother, but he, he wrote a, a letter to Ivan Sanderson, who was a cryptozoologist uh, back east, who's also passed away now, everybody's getting older, aren't they? And uh, anyway, uh, Ivan Sanderson thought it was probably just somebody pulling his leg, it was just pretty incredible, the encounters we were having. And he forwarded it to a man named Peter Byrne, who was on the Pacific, up in Oregon, Pacific Coast. And and uh, he had a Bigfoot Research Center, and Peter thought the same thing. I found, I've been a friend of Peter's now for a long, long time, because he, he, well, anyway, I know him. And uh, Peter thought the same thing. It's probably somebody pulling somebody's leg. So he sent it to a guy named Alan Berry down in uh, Redding, California. Alan Berry was then, then working for a newspaper as an investigative reporter, and he He thought he'd be probably a hoax, but he'd go down and talk to us. He got uh, got to hear the sounds that we'd recorded in 71, and uh, he asked if he could go in. Of course, at the time, we thought he just wanted to go in to experience what we were experiencing, but he was going in looking who was pulling whose leg on this thing (laughs) because it's just uh, quite a story. And, uh, anyway, he went in and they started recording also and, uh, got some incredible recordings. Uh, he just got real fortunate one time when one of these things was close, a couple of them were really close to his microphone, which they, they started coming around our camp. They had big, they're big, big voices, big people, whatever they are. And, uh, he fostered the studies actually we had done on them at the university of Wyoming by a professor Curlin. He did a year long study and, uh, determined that the tapes were credible They were not speeded up, slowed down, not manipulated in any way. And uh, they represented a creature much taller than the average human male. And the voice range is much outside and inside and below and above the human range. So that was uh, pretty incredible. And uh, it was a good report to have, but it just wasn't enough because people thought, well, why didn't you get a picture? That's the big question. Why didn't you guys get a picture? (laughs) Well, we tried. We really tried. Uh, these things are foxes. We underestimate what we're dealing with. And uh, I, uh, I, now that I've looked in this a lot further, I, I feel like I, I got a little handle on maybe what we were dealing with up there. And, uh, but at that time we were underestimating their intelligence. We thought they were just a, a wild creature that hadn't been logged yet by science. And we, we always having fun with it really in a way. Well, once they found out they wasn't going to eat us or break in the shelter after us and, Curious way, or sleeping bag, or something. So that's how it got started for me, Gary. Did, did you actually uh, see one? I saw one. It wasn't until '74 when I saw one. And uh, that was when they were making their noises outside the shelter. Normally they were they wouldn't be aggressive or get their sounds going, and their vocalizations going until we were inside our little hutchie, our shelter. It's mm-hmm. just a, a group of trees grew in a circle. We put cable around it and laid deadfall up there and put cable over the top. and made it weatherproof in a way and uh, anyway uh they would normally come in and uh around the shelter and just start making some really horrific noises beating the chest and very very primitive sounds but they were chattering that same chattering i found out later on is uh, reported by john green who uh, was a reporter up in canada and he interviewed a guy named uh, albert osman And it was uh, 1924. He claims he was abducted by a Bigfoot up in Toba Inlet, carried into a a place uh, about a 10-mile or 10-acre bowl in the mountains and held captive for six days. And he described a male, a female, and two adolescents, and they were chattering amongst themselves, according to John Green's uh, interview with him. Yeah, I've heard that story. uh, Yeah, have you heard that story? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I investigated that. I actually flew up there in my plane with uh, Peter Byrne and Al Baring, a videographer, and was investigating the uh, Tobin story. So that's in my last book, the uh, uh, details of that investigation.
0: You still but, have any of the recordings? Do I have one? The recordings that you made.
1: Oh, we got them all. Well, I say we got them all. I got all of mine. All of, no, I don't have all. I got all of, all, all of Alan Berry's because uh-huh. he's passed away now. And I've got Bill McDowell's, he was my packing friend. Uh, the other uh, uh, people that uh, are Warren Johnson's son and his uh, has, has Warren Johnson's tapes. But yeah, we've got uh, hours of these recordings.
0: Are any of them online We're, for our listeners to hear? Oh, sure.
1: Well, you mentioned my two books. I have two CDs, too, with yeah. the vocalizations on those on my website. Yeah, And they're both about 40 minutes long. Uh, Jonathan Frakes, uh, Star Trek for Next Generation, he narrates the first one. It's Al Berry's story, an investigative reporter that went in. We, we have the sounds integrated into the story as the context of it. And the second one is mine. It's about 40 minutes long also. And it's I narrate it, and we, uh, I integrate the sounds that I recorded in 1974, when I actually got a glimpse of one, they're very elusive, they're very, very fast, they're very, very big, strong, and uh, they're just about everything that we're not, in a way, (laughs) so I uh, I gotta say, uh, this has been in my uh, my whole, my life, I guess, now for 50 years, and it's just uh, an incredible journey. Wow,
0: and um, where can my listeners go to buy those CDs?
1: Well, they can find the CDs and the books on my website, RonMorehead.com. That's spelled with one O, -O M-O-R-E-A-G-A-D, RonMorehead.com. And my uh, store is there with with those items in it, and a few of my articles I've written, and other things too. They can hear. They can hear a sample of them there if they want to hear. And actually, uh, Matt Moneymaker from this Finding Bigfoot program that was on a few years ago. Mm-hmm. That's how the crypto linguist who eventually studied our sounds also, that's how he got a hold of them was through the uh, org, And uh, I think the sounds are still there. I haven't listened or tried to listen for a long time, but he coined the sound that I recorded in 74. which is called the Samurai Chatter or Samurai Cry. And it's, uh, he said that because he heard it the night. Before he started a BFRO, he heard it. And he said, my guy he came up to Oro when I was living in Washington. I still am now, but every different time. And uh, he said, that sounds like a samurai cry. <laughs> and oh. it does. So anyway, there is an oriental fling to this uh, sound that they have. And uh, uh, so he coined that. And yeah, I think that's the sound that he put on his uh, website, BFRO.org
0: but I didn't know that. Um, So when I started reading your book, um, you know, you you addressed one of the first things that I noticed that you talked about was uh, one of the theories that you propose is like Bigfoot possibly being from the tribe of Cain
1: in the Bible. Talk about that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's several uh, ideas. Uh, the like never,
0: that, that was that was like a new one to me. I was like, "Wow."
1: Well, people say, "Well, everybody was killed in the flood." Well, that's pretty much true. But uh, the conservative estimate of how many people were on the earth at the time of the flood was uh, seven million, and that's a conservative. Um, but one of Noah's sons, we think Ham, if was, if this is true, this this scenario, uh, he could have had a wife. It was a uh, that had a gene for Nephilim, which is the giants. And that's how they could have got through. And really that line of Cain, uh, could have been brought through like that. If she was a uh, part of that, uh, genealogy. And Ham, when he, when he came out, he, and his son Cain, uh, went to where Canaan is now, where Israel is now. And, uh, that's the land where the giants were. That's where, uh, they found, uh, that's where Goliath was from and his three brothers. And that's where the, uh, uh Edomites came from and, uh, where the Edomites actually, uh, destroyed like the, like, like history says, or did someone get away. And the Edomites were in, uh, let's see, what is that painting? I got the painting in my book too. It's, uh, Michelangelo, yeah he painted a, with two Edomites in a cave. <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool. Okay. I put that in my book and because that's probably what you're seeing when i yeah. i got other theories too how because really if if aliens, which I believe aliens and fallen angels mm-hmm. are the same thing, if aliens did uh, go down come down to earth and do what they did to to the genome of uh, primates or even humans or animals even, right. um, that would account for that. But if aliens could do it then, even if everybody was destroyed, that it wasn't the true scenario that I just gave you, uh, they could come down and do it again. They have a free will just like all of us do. And uh, that was 400 years after the flood is when uh, the the giants were discovered in Canaan. So that's the biblical perspective. I've got other ones too, like uh, Rebecca's womb, because there was two in her womb, two twins, one hairy, red, and the other one wasn't. And uh, I think the war is still being fought over that one (laughs) in (laughs) Israel.
0: so with the, with the aliens you know this is one that i think about because i do kind of believe in the theory that zachariah Stitchin proposes um but one of the things i think is what if bigfoots are the unmodified version of a human being and we're the alien version of that
1: well it's a thought uh I can't say I agree or disagree because I don't know, but yeah. I think probably uh, something gave these hominids, Bigfoot, us, something gave us all sapience and consciousness like we have. Other animals don't have all that. Uh, something made us special. Uh, I think it's genome, uh, the uh, DNA manipulation of a, of a primate. That's probably what uh, Bigfoot, my, that's my suggestion anyway, is it could be just a an offshoot of that. And, uh, We are too, though. I think I have not read Stitchin's book. I got to tell you up front. People Mm -hmm. say you think like Stitchin does. I got his book, but honestly, I haven't read it. I got a (laughs) hundred books. I got a hundred books I haven't read, but I kind of get this uh, stuff a lot of times. uh, Anyway, I get it. But um, that's uh, that's a thought. What you had? Uh, Who knows if they were they evolved up like that? Because Darwinism, I think, is just lacking. It's not. It's not it's not bad but it's not complete i think the troglodytes were here they evolved like darwin said but something came in probably an alien and, and manipulated the dna uh, that's where the dog ram comes from i think that's where oh, yeah. a lot of the things you see the hieroglyphs over in uh, egypt and different parts of the world of, of a body with a, a human body with a dog's head on it or a a horse with a man's head on it. You know, you just mm-hmm. got all this stuff that uh, you gotta wonder if there's a core of truth to it, and if there is, where did it come from? Uh, aliens have been here. I'm no doubt about that. I've been in the South America, Peru, a uh, uh, couple times on two different oh. expeditions, and uh, studied the remains of uh, of hybrid beings that have been here. And uh, those uh, megalithic structures down there uh, were made by something with advanced technology, something we don't have. To this day how they did what they did moving these megalithic structures uh from miles away up on 13,000 foot mountain and put together like a jigsaw puzzle you know when you see that stuff with no mortar by the way you, you can't put a hair in there it just fits perfectly and uh, you see that stuff for your own eyes and you realize wow that really opened me up a little bit more to this uh something has obviously been here so from there on i have no doubt that aliens have been here aliens could be here right now i have wouldn't have any doubts about that because these ufos that are being seen somebody's flying those saucers <laughs> so I, I think i think probably uh you know there's something going on and it's coming down the tubes and we'll see it probably hopefully maybe in our lifetimes so i don't know but I a hope lot so. of inundative uh, ufos being seen a lot more bigfoots being seen i call them bigfoots but they're just uh mm-hmm. giant giant beings they are sapient in my opinion they do have language we've established that and only humans are supposed to have the uh the uh, capability with the vocal mechanism for language by the human definition of language the human definition of language is a morphine stream of words which make up a sapient sentence and you gotta have 12 or more words just to make a sentence like we're talking now that's sapience and uh, no other animal has that. Supposedly in 1968, uh, Brown University, Lieberman, that's his name, Dr. Lieberman, he, he said that only humans have the uh, the vocal mechanism for language. And that started off because, well, I know, I know what we were hearing up there. Uh, these things are chattering amongst themselves. They have a language and sometimes they're communicating. And I don't mean by grunts and yells. I mean with a language. And that's what the cryptolinguist, Scott Nelson, got into in 2008. He come out, he heard the sounds by accident on the BFRO.org website. He said, wow, because he's a cryptolinguist, retired from the Navy as a cryptolinguist, 30 years under the cans, they call it, listening to the human voice, trying to decipher um, if there's a language involved here, if there's any uh, any." malicious little thing going on with the foreign languages and stuff like that. He's a specialist, an expert in that. He came out and interviewed me and Alberry and we gave him some sounds to listen to. He went back and studied them and he transcribed the language and said, these things have a language by the definition of language, which I just explained. That That was pretty
0: unique. Would that separate them from the theory of being a gigantopithecus?
1: Well, we don't know if Gigantopithecus could speak, I don't think. Uh, Gigantopithecus, uh, they may be a remnant of that. I have another theory, though, and my theory is they're not all the same, and that's thats just how I feel. I've seen too many different reports, too many different uh, uh, attributes that report by different ones, and... Uh, uh, the Patterson film, of 1967, that that was a Bigfoot, no doubt about it, walking on that uh, creek bed in Bluff Creek, and uh, but the tracks are different, and our tracks over the years up there have all been the same, uh, not the same size, but the same configuration, which is five-toed, splayed. Uh, that looked more human-like, so I get into the theory that some of them have crossbred with indigenous people, and they. Have been diluted down. They're more humanistic than than some of the others, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Really, uh, they would have to have twenty-three pairs of chromosomes like we do in order to crossbreed. Uh, that keeps us from breeding with, well, <laughs> other things. So anyway, uh, if that's the case, then uh, there's different types of them here, and there could be different types of them because of different aliens have been here. Different, different types, different species of. And they've all got advanced technology that couldn't even get here. It makes me think
2: of,
0: um, I forget her name, but like the the wild woman from Russia. Yeah. Zaina. Yeah. Um, and
1: you know, yeah, she had children and mm -hmm. uh, she was being uh, molested in captivity and she had children by the guys, which is a horrible thing, but it, it supposedly is a story and, uh, yeah, That's true, because one of her children is still alive, I think.
0: So that all could have been, you know, even her could have been a result of something of interbreeding with humans.
1: Or It was, because she did interbreed with humans. Yeah, she
0: did. Hmm.
1: It's fascinating. What's going on in this field, and I've been in it now longer than most, I studied it more thoroughly than, than most, and I'm not saying that to brag on myself, but it just it captures you when you get involved in it. It just, you want to find out more and more and more, and I've been in Nepal, I've been into Russia, Siberia, I've been all over uh, looking for more, uh, just to put it all together. Uh, there has been some DNA studies, but science, uh, mainstream science has given a thumbs down because it doesn't fit within their parameters of, mm-hmm. of uh, science, and so, unfortunately, yeah, I was going to say. Unfortunately, academia is um, in a box, but a yeah. disciplinary box. They have to stay in that box to get their tenure, to get their funding, to get credibility, to have respect. They they won't step out and call this thing for what it is, and that's too bad because uh, most of your guests, I've been listening to some of your programs, and including me, are just out of that box. We don't have to we don't have to worry about somebody else. <laughs>
0: yeah that's what this show what I mean. is all about if it like I say if it if it can be imagined it probably exists somewhere in some form
1: <laughs> yeah I think you're right that your gentleman uh, Rod is that his name yeah uh, Rob uh, Shelsky yeah very interesting Uh yeah he's into all that Uh but yeah I think you know even Tesla Nikola Tesla which mm-hmm. I, I like him he's I got a lot of quotes with him in it. But he's, uh, he he answered most of his questions when you come out of a, a theta state of sleep, which is between alpha and, and deep sleep, or not deep sleep. But theta is, you know, where you're not totally asleep, but you're kind of halfway conscious. And a lot of the problems he solved was coming out of that sleep. And uh, he would have the answer to his problem. And that's why I, I like to sleep on anything. If i wondering about it, or what should I do? Just sleep on it. First thing yeah. comes to your head next morning, is probably going to be your answer.
0: I do my best thinking in the shower for some reason. Whenever I take a shower, that's what I have for to time. <laughs> that works. I just, there's just something hypnotic about the water hitting my body or something that, <laughs> that activates my brain in a certain way. It's are, strange, yeah. but I, I think I thought of this podcast while I was taking a shower. That's how I came up with the idea. <laughs> um, Good. So... That, like, you take Bigfoot in a direction that, um, like, some people would call it, I guess, hoo-hoo or whatever, woo-woo. which is the quantum stuff. Now, woo-woo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. I shoot I, that right back in their face because I think that's woo-woo or paranormal or all that. Uh, just get into quantum physics and you're really Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Even Tesla said uh, what one man calls God, another man calls the laws of physics.
0: Yeah. And, and, I, and I totally agree with you, because quantum theory has so many um, possibilities, and it has the ability to, to explain the unexplained. Um, and one of the things that you talk about, like, is, is like, you know, like Bigfoot being able to disappear, uh-huh. and, and how quantum physics could possibly explain that.
1: It does explain it, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, well, we only... You know, you can hear ultra... You cannot hear ultrasound or infrasound, can you? You would just hear within certain no. spectrums of or frequency. Well, you only see within certain frequencies, too, the light frequency. You don't see everything that's going on because our eyes aren't made that way. Animals can see better than we can. A lot of them can. And uh, my theory is that somehow they can change their matter into into the fourth dimension because I think they're interdimensional Uh, they've been given that attribute unless they've been diluted down they can't access that stuff anymore but um, they can change their matter into energy and as we know energy at the most subatomic level of existence we are all energy inhabiting a body that energy according to science physics cannot die it cannot it can only change forms so somehow they've learned or they know how to change forms and they do that through the plasma field of the fourth dimension, I think, getting into wherever they're going. I think that's also where people see ghosts. They're stuck in that because their frequency hasn't raised high enough yet. These things have such a unique vocal mechanism and I've got that recorded. It's, it's just outside, so far outside the human range. Uh, I wonder if they can't create that frequency with their vocal mechanism and that's what the attribute they've been given, at least the ones we studied it. In the Sierras, and I say that because just about all the recordings I've got are from the Sierra Nevada Mountains in California, where we recorded these things.
0: Yeah, you know, I had um, an interview not too long ago with a guy who came across like a group of mysterious beings, and one of them was playing a violin. And I proposed to him, like maybe the the violin was actually some kind of instrument to change vibration, so they could shift in and out of dimensions so you know it's the same theory that you're proposing with bigfoot basically is that they're able to change matter with the use of vibration through their vocal ability
1: right that's the theory i don't know if that's true but that's what they you know all the as much uh interactions we had with them up there you'd think we would have saw them a lot but we only got glimpses of them occasionally Uh, the Johnsons got glimpses my daughter saw them three times just a glimpse quick but she got a really good view one time and uh, it was about 70 feet away and it was uh, a little over 7 foot tall uh, the male watching her and uh, by the time I got turned around the thing was gone into the trees Uh, so yeah are not they weren't seen as much when alberry recorded the ones that uh, uh, that are so popular here on the first CD uh, he should have been able to see what was making those sounds but it was dark he had his head stuck up through the shelter in a little hole and uh, he talks about that in uh, in the first CD and he should have the thing sound like <laughs> incredible it sounded like he's actually holding the mic not alberry but the Bigfoot Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been theorized by a professor that I know, I spoke with him a few times, he theorized that you know, we have remnants in our human structure that air sacs under our arms. That's what, how gorillas make their screams or the uh, monkeys do their screaming. Uh, they can really throw their voice well. And that could be true. That could be how it happened. But you'd think that we would have seen more, more than than what we did, so I'm not sure now if they were cloaking themselves through their vibrational frequency, or, or if they were just very elusive, because they are elusive. There's no doubt about that. One way or the other, they are elusive.
0: Why do you think they are elusive? Do you think they're avoiding us? Or do you think you think they don't want anything to do with humans, or do you think they're curious about humans?
1: I think they're curious, but I think the younger ones are more curious now. Uh, I think they avoid us because we don't have anything to offer them. Uh, in fact, they think that we think we're smarter than them. That we're the dominant. We're just screwing the earth up. That's what we're doing. Uh, they're out there living in it. You know, they know how to be, and we, we don't. We have to have shelters. We have to have everything. And, uh, we war with each other. We don't, haven't learned... We haven't learned, we haven't evolved as far as we need to as human race. I get into that too in my book a little bit, how we underestimate who we are as humans. Uh, we got to evolve more. we got to get, well, get back to ancient texts in the Bible even. I don't like to get religious. I'm not religious, by the way. I'm just spiritual like we all are, mm-hmm. uh, but... You get into some of those scriptures. I was raised religious, so I, I know scriptures, and I get into that in my book because it brings science and spirituality back together. That's what I call it anyway. And uh, because I think they're synonymous, and we have to learn that that's real. It's something you just don't go see on Sunday or something. It's something real that's in every human being on this earth. We, I believe, as humans are very special. Whatever alien modified the troglodytes for us is very special and we, they made us very special and they gave us the dominion on earth. Whereas, uh, the other ones are Bigfoot aliens. They don't have dominion. They're not interfering with us. I think they're not supposed to, because we have, they have, we have to evolve the way we're supposed to through our own seeking. They can't just come and tell us something, uh, even though some of them try. I'm sure they were trying to tell me something up there when I was interacting with them, but I have no idea what it was. Uh, might have been just so I could talk with you today. I don't know. <laughs> uh, they were really trying to yell at me and say something. You could hear the question coming out, but I was just mocking them uh, thinking this is fun. Cause I knew then they weren't, like I say going to eat us. They weren't throwing rocks at us. They were just playing with us, toying with us. I mm-hmm. say, cause they do toy with people. I've had a lot of reports like that where they'll follow them around out in the, just out of the sight on the, in the trees and, People can't see them, and I, you don't know if they're cloaked or if you don't know if they're just not out of just out of sight. Because uh, cloaking thing has got everybody thinking the woo-woo is, is what I'm into, and no, I'm into physics and, and the science that's only a little over 100 years old. Uh, Max Planck, who who got a Nobel Prize for quantum physics in uh, 1918, I think it was. He's, he made a statement that said science uh, changes one funeral at a time <laughs> you can't get these guys to change their mind you know they, they want they want these things to fall into darwinism they want to fall into something that they've made their mind up it has to be and if it doesn't fall within the parameters uh, it just can't be real and that's too bad
2: yeah
0: well I, I think right now there's too many holes in darwinism one i think the timeline is wrong And two, I think we found too many other species of human
1: um, for it to actually be on target. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. And I talk about that too. Darwinism is there, but it's incomplete. It does not explain uh, our consciousness. It doesn't explain psychic phenomena, telepathy, clairvoyance, feelings. you ever had a deja vu? Of course that gets into time, but... Uh, time doesn't exist as we perceive it once you're out of this dimension. Uh, but Darwinism doesn't explain those parts about human characteristics. It don't explains the physical part, how it, how it went from one nothing to what we are now. It doesn't give us these other attributes that we have, and all humans have those, but you can't get anybody to talk about that in the scientific community unless they're into physics or something because they just... However, I do know this is a fact the FBI uses uh, remote viewers mm-hmm. and I've heard that and I've seen specials on it and I know a person personally two people different people who don't know each other that have been assigned uh, by the FBI CIA one of those facilities to remote view for them and uh, so what gives them that ability All right. I How actually have
0: somebody coming out next week who um, wrote a book about like MK Ultra and remote viewing and stuff like that?
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah exactly. There's a there's a talent that I think is, that we all could pursue. I, I think it's a, a ability we all have. It's just a matter of working it. I've linked into that in my book too. You may have reached it already. We call it the pineal gland,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: that's the seat of the soul, the third eye, whatever you want to call it, I'm uh, And if you can get that gland decalcified, our diet, uh, specifically fluoride, will calcify that gland and keep it from being as intuitive. It's it's what gives you intuitiveness and if you can connect that to the frontal lobe of your brain and get those working together, you'll know what to do because you'll know things (laughs) you'll be intuitive. And then, but the biggest key here (laughs) is getting that in rhythm with your heart. Your heart has the most energy of any other part of your body. And if you can get those uh, coherent with each other, in the right rhythm with each other, your brain and your heart, and your heart, your brain is connected to the pineal gland like it should be. You'll know everything. You'll know what to do. Uh, and that's what. Okay, I'm going to say the word. You ready for it? That's what Jesus Christ tried to teach us all. Is <laughs> that right there? And uh, is is being one with that. Being, we are one. We just don't know how to access it or we haven't been doing it. And you do that, I believe, through meditation. And uh, so that's why we should all meditate. Meditation is when you're receiving something, not asking for something. So many people only get into religion on Sunday or when they want, mm-hmm. need something, pull, pull it out of i uh, I'm not doubting religions, but they do have their agendas and some of them aren't in the benefit of people, in my, in my opinion.
0: But, uh, I, I agree. meditation changed my whole outlook on life
1: oh, absolutely, yeah it you clears know. you up
0: it, 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 in a profound way you know it just mm. it just makes you when you just sit there, breathe and watch your thoughts, you know just that simple practice changes a person's entire v- perspective on everything
1: absolutely. And the key to it all is, is caring for other people, loving and, and not having uh, ego and not, uh, you know, not trying to hurt anybody. Just just be good. And, yes. Uh, not be good, but show good. <laughs> and there I go again. It's not Sunday, but I can talk like this anyway, right?
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. You are welcome to. Uh, I think it's what the world needs to hear. Um. I was going to ask. I had another question. Oh, whatever. I forgot.
1: (laughs) Let me make a statement here that uh, Edgar Mitchell, I just pull this up on my little laptop here. Edgar Mitchell, Dr. Edgar Mitchell was an astronaut. He passed away uh, four years ago in 2016, but he, uh, he says it takes classical and quantum sciences together to have clear perception. And I, I just really push that out when I'm talking to these conventions and things, because, if you just use classical science by itself, it's, 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 it's based in everything mm-hmm. being material or physical, measurable and predictable. Well, quantum science is not that way. It's not measurable or predictable. I asked a science when I said, tell me, just tell me how far it is to the end of the universe. Everything's measurable. Y'all don't know that. <laughs> well, you can't even imagine it. So how can you possibly measure everything? Everything is not measurable, predictable physical or material that's just not complete you have to have quantum science with it and understand we live in a three-dimensional environment as humans do we we are stuck with that till till we change our frequency and get higher or die or whatever we do we're not dying no such thing as dying you just pass on and uh we have to live in those uh in that world of believing what we're seeing but really you get into quantum science and it goes a little bit deeper. We're kind of creating what we're seeing in a way. So uh, there you go. It takes yeah. both sciences together and try to understand how much more there is that you don't know, and and raise your frequency by meditation. Raise your vibrational frequency. The higher you go, the clearer things will be. The more clear. The second degree of superlative, more clear is it clearer? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway.
0: And that's one of the interesting things that I find with with you and your book is is that you address these spiritual, address it just from a a lot of it from a spiritual point of view and a a scientific point of view, in a way where you're bringing these two separate schools of thought together Uh as one, rather than looking at them as separate things that are contrary
1: to each other. Right. They don't have to be separated at all. Uh, they just don't have to be. Uh, according to Tesla, they're not. And according to me, they're not. I'm not trying to put myself in the same frame as Tesla. He was a genius, but but they are, I was raised, like I say, knowing scripture, knowing of this, knowing that, you don't do this, you don't do that, da-da-da, you can't do this, you can't do that, bull. Uh, you got to get a little deeper than that, but get into the science. Al Berry, the reporter that we took in to the camp in 1972, he uh, he was a master in science. He had a master's in science. And he said, when we talk about this stuff, don't talk about the strange stuff up here. He said, that, that won't get you anywhere. He says, you got to stay with science if you're going to talk about this. So I thought about that for a long time. Well, what science can explain the mysteries that we had up there, the different things that happened? It wasn't just the Bigfoot sounds. It was... The lights. The the. I was up there in 2016, and, and we stayed in a little tent because the shelter had been taken down. And uh, now keep in mind, we're eight miles in the wilderness. We're 8,400 feet in elevation. It's about it's several hours to get in there, even on horseback. And we were watching it just after dark. This light go by us, just floating by us. It was a uh, not a round light. It was a tube, probably three, four foot long, uh, glowing. And we're just moving between the trees and just not in a hurry. What do you do with that? Where do you put that? That's just one of the things. There's just things happen all the times in the early 70s up there that we couldn't explain, but we didn't talk about them. I was a businessman then, and so was the other guys, uh, some of them, and you just didn't talk about that stuff, unless it was to your wife or want <laughs> to scare your kids to go to sleep or something.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, how much. Like when we get into quantum physics and in in the topic of consciousness and that, you know, and we look at matter, we know matter responds to consciousness because of quantum physics, which means that we're basically creating this reality with thoughts, um, which would essentially mean that this really is more of a holographic universe.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a theory. Uh, I know you subscribe to that, so is your previous guest, and I do too in a way, because I think there's more going on. We just are stuck in this three-dimensional stuff, you know? And we got to think out of the box to get where you're at now and to where I think I'm, I'm at. is. Uh, I don't know if it's a hologram or if it's just another... There's just other realities going on. Uh, mm. The universe is expanding all the time, evolving, and we're supposed to be doing the same thing, but I do believe humans are special. That's our species of humans. Uh, these things, whatever they are, they're not like us. And they don't, they don't really don't interfere with us because I think we got to live out our karma. We have to make our decisions uh, based on uh, our level of frequency.
0: I'm just at this level of frequency for the pizza. I think that's the best part of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) um, so how about telepathy You, you, you believe that these creatures and even humans can communicate through telepathy
1: yes short answer yes I think we're all one one energy we just think we're separate people walking around here embodied in a water we're embodied in but we are all one energy and uh these things have learned how to access that, I believe, uh, better than us. Telepathy works. I mean, you can think about your mother calling you or something. First thing you know, the phone's ringing at your mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, something's communicating there. And science, quantum science, says that's, that's, that can work. Uh, you just have to know how the electrons, protons, and all that stuff works at the minute level of existence. And uh, we are creating, uh us we're creating things as we talk, as we move things, which in order to really make it happen, and I'm not good at this, but I I'm, I think I know how it works because all the masters from Buddha to Christ all through talk about you got to have a heart. You've got to have the heart connected to the coherent mind, and that mind has to be connected to the pineal gland, the third eye. Once you get that rhythm going, you can move a mountain. You can you can change things because once you find the frequency of something, it's just a frequency. You tune into that frequency and you can change matter. There you get into Bigfoot again. And they change their matter into energy via frequency. But then they got to get back again. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit of mystery, but that's where I'm going with my unique vocal, excuse me, unique vocal mechanism that they have. And it's been told me several times by specialists that humans cannot make these sounds, and they can't. I mean, I challenge anybody to make these sounds. that I hear people, oh, I can do that. Well, no, they can't. They can't do it at the same speed, number one. They, these things are rapidly chattering, and they can't get to the high notes that some of these things get to. <clears throat> and I think they also can get into infrasound. Excuse me, ultrasound. Mm-hmm. No, infrasound, I'm lower. <laughs> yeah higher
0: yeah i've heard i've heard people like come in contact with bigfoot and when he makes a noise like it just shakes people to their core and they're never the same again and Uh i've heard you know theories that it is infrasound like i guess apparently like lions can do it too
1: well it's happened something's happened to me me and uh, warren johnson up there we we were up there by ourselves him and i and uh, and one of these things was chattering right outside our shelter there. And we thought, you know, if we jump through this log door, we got fast enough. We'll see it run away because at that time we were getting pretty bold. We realized they weren't going to, they weren't going to eat us. And plus we had large firearms. I don't know if that made any difference or not, but we wouldn't, we all had guns hunting camp and, uh, We did just that. We jumped out thinking it's going to run away from this huge Mm -hmm. tree. We knew it had to be behind this big tree right out there, just maybe 30 feet away from the shelter door. But we didn't see anything run away. So we started walking up there slowly. We think, well, we'll scare it out if we get too close. Well, him and I came into a force field. I call it just a wall. You couldn't see it, but we just both got stopped. We weren't talking to each other at all. We were quietly just walking slowly up towards that tree. And we just got froze. I mean, not cold frozen, just frozen. And uh, I talked to a scientist about that later on, and uh, he said, well, it had to be infrasound or pheromones. And at the time, I thought, well, it's got to be infrasound. And maybe it was, but then now that I find and I believe that they are part human, could it have been pheromones? I don't know what froze is, but that happened to me one other time in the woods up there. And it's just a strange feeling. It's not feeling. I shouldn't say feeling. It's just a strange feeling. thing to happen to you when you can't see what's holding you back but something's holding you back
0: yes yeah, so it's uh, pretty i hear like it's a one of the most common things that mm-hmm. happen when people you know have an encounter with one of these creatures
1: you know nothing surprises me when i hear some of these reports i used to just write these people off that said they saw them disappear until until i Really knew the credibility. A of this couple people that saw that same thing. They'd seen the all uh, oh, the pixelization out of a one of these things, and you, you gotta wonder, well, what could do that? So, quantum physics can answer that as they go out of our perception. We only see it within light's frequency. And uh, anyway, that uh, Native American lore I like to get into that because they say they live in two worlds. What does that mean, two worlds, our world and their world, something else? And they also say they live in trees. Well, over the years, I've had so many reports of people saying they were just cutting logs out in the forest, or you see these people that are clear-cutting these forests, and they have they sailed big for watching them. And you hear a lot of reports like that. I just, Last year, the year before last, I got a report from a Native American up here that said, well, they're timbering behind here. People have been hearing these things screaming up there, they're bigfoots, and uh, they see them too. And well, it's the timbering. They don't like us cutting the trees because they, either <laughs> they either go in the trees to get energy. <clears throat> also, you hear about these trees being broke over. Well, mm-hmm. somebody asked me the other day, "Why are you suppose they do that?" I said, "Well, it could be the tree's no good anymore. <laughs> they're dead trees. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I can just speculate. And uh, I do think there's something going on with." how we're destroying the land, <clears throat> taking the stuff, and just using it for our selfish purposes. But uh, they don't like that. They like just being <clears throat> left alone. And uh, that's what a lot of people think we should do, is just leave them alone. But that's not in our nature.
0: No, definitely not. Um, if they can speak with te- like tele- te- telepathy, um, then why would you be using wood knocks that we could hear?
1: I think it's to communicate with, with somebody, one of the other ones, because they would do that up there. I got recordings of this wood knocking. It's rhythmically too. And also rock cracking, same thing. Mm-hmm. That was I nice saw one. So I know what was going on there. Uh, people say, if you didn't see what made the sound, you don't know what made the sound. Well, that night I saw what made the sound. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't see it hitting the tree, but I know that's what they were doing because nothing else can do that when you're up there by yourself. Uh, I say by myself, there's one other guy with me, but yeah, they would knock and they whoop. You hear these whooping sounds. I've got those recorded also Mm -hmm. on my second CD. And the whooping sounds are different intonations, and I think that is their way of communicating with another one. And that's before they come in and start really dealing with you. And we've learned uh, several little clues I could tell people how to, if they want contact with these things, what not to do. One thing, don't shine a flashlight. Another thing is just when they do these things, whooping, wood knocking, whatever, just be still. Act like you don't care. They come in closer. First thing you know, they'll start doing something else. And they, they are curious, and they, they love playing with you. Because, again, they, they, uh, they can outfox you, <laughs> and they do. Uh, camera traps we set up didn't work. I uh, can't believe, and no one can believe they actually knew what a thread was that could trigger that camera, but something alerted them to not go that way like they'd been doing. They go around it, get the food a different way. They're coming in, and taking our food. So, well, the food we left out for them there would bother the food that we didn't leave out for them. A bear is different. A bear would just tear your cap apart. <clears throat>
0: I wonder if they can sense maybe. Um, like the batteries or something like that that's inside the cameras
1: yes yes the energy yeah uh, i don't know if they sense it or hear it but uh whatever in 2011 my last real good contact with one of them up there i said real good because it was a one of there was a chattering going on a big pop right outside the tent i was in and I was there by myself, which is a no no, but I did it anyway. I had somebody scheduled to go with me, but they backed out at the last minute. And I was up there and wham, this big gunshot. It sounded like a gunshot, but it was actually a tree knock. But now I wonder if it's a tree knock or just the sound of them coming out of a tree. That sounds a little ridiculous, I know, but. Uh, you're on a ridiculous station here anyway, right? <laughs> we, can talk, we can talk ridiculous here, right? Yes, we're on KGRA radio. <laughs> I talked to a really credible guy. He sounded very credible. Finally, I got through to him, and he, he believed that I was open-minded. He said, you know, i got to tell you, he said, i seen this thing, and he said it had to be four foot wide in the shoulders. It stepped out the brush and uh, walked away. It came right from behind this tree, and I said, "How big was the tree?" He said, "It's only two foot around." Mm-hmm. And he said he only seen one leg at a time. In other words, he said it was like it was you could see through it. So, did it come out of the tree? You know, he's it scared him. He wouldn't even go public with that because he just he didn't know what to do. He got a hold of me. He said these things have been dealing with him in that part of the Sierras for several years. He'd been hunting. He was hunting at that time yes. too, but he's a the firefighter and a very uh, smart guy actually and anyway he uh, so is there something to that yes energy trees have energy if they're alive uh, do they use that energy can they drain your batteries yes uh, that's my opinion uh, because my battery was dead that night in 2011 I had a brand new lithium battery in my recorder turned it on checked it out was working later that evening 10 o'clock that evening actually I heard this chatter going on. I tried to put a recorder. It would not record. battery was dead. Couldn't record. I just had to start making notes because whatever was there got right next to my tent. Just bipedal walking, tromping around my tent there. You're a little bit concerned. I mean, yeah, I, I try to pride myself. I'm not fearful of a lot of things, but... I didn't have a high-powered gun. With I just had a little thirty eight with birdshot in it to scare the bear off of something for <laughs> one of my food or something. But it was walking around the, the area there, about my tent, probably 10, 15 feet away, and I started talking to it, yelling at it and, uh, in a nice way. But this is the same one that made the big wood knock when it was still light earlier in the evening. And uh, I say that because uh, I had gotten inside this, the little tent that I set up the mosquitoes were just horrible. And I was in there to get away from them when that knock happened. And that's all that happened then. It wasn't until 10 o'clock at night when it got dark when I heard the chatter, the Bigfoot chatter, and that's when one of them started walking around my my tent. And there I am with this little thirty eight. But then, you're not thinking you're going to have to shoot one anyway. I don't think a gun's going to stop, whatever it is these things are. They, uh, <clears throat> I never have thought that. I never had, had the thought I'd shoot one. The guns, like I say, I, I got a hatband made out of a 52-inch rattlesnake we shot one time. <laughs> and that's what you look for, is those things sitting next to you on the trail. Especially if they're not squirming off. I've had them just squirm off, you know. Yeah. But this one didn't. So, anyway, uh, my friend Bill actually shot him. Shot the snake. Uh, cut its head off. And uh, I picked him up because I wanted to take him back and try to put him in a saddlebag. The thing just wrapped its warm body all the way around my arm—real creepy feeling. <laughs> no head, but these things it, crazy. I had another rattlesnake one time with his head cut off, striking. And how do they strike when they got no head? That can happen. <laughs> it happened. I—I I, I got a film of that. How that happened? Yeah. And I, I couldn't believe it. I finally questioned people, yeah, they can do that. Well, how do they do that? Does their brain work through their whole body? <laughs> I don't know. But well, we cut the head off, buried the head. I'm not talking about Bigfoot here, so I guess I'm off subject. But it's interesting. I, I had a cup of coffee just before I came on just so I could <laughs> stay alert. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have drank so much of it.
0: <laughs> uh, I was just thinking that like, when you mention them coming in and out of trees, that makes so much sense to me because you always hear about them like, you know, oh, it went behind that tree and it just disappeared. Like maybe uh, it uh. actually did go into the tree. I mean, like, again, like quantum physics proves that uh, nothing, nothing is solid, you know. I mean, a tree You're, appears to be solid, but it, it's not. Right. There's, there's waves. There's even small particles passing through mm. everything.
1: David Palides, who's written the Four One One books, uh, I took him and his film filmer up to my camp in two thousand eighteen, and he did a little documentary on the Sierra Camp. First time I ever took a filmer up there, taking a filmer up there, and he did a pretty good job. I got about fifteen minutes in his uh, the hunting, the missing Four One One, the hunted, uh-huh. and uh, right after my sequence, which talks about our trip in and the Sierra Camp and interviews me a little bit there. But right after mine, there's a lady who comes on. She's a hunter, and she was a tree, in a tree as a tree hunter, and she saw this pickelization form coming out of a tree, and uh, she—that's <laughs> worth watching. <laughs> I got to say that. <laughs> I think he's actually advertising for free now on Amazon or YouTube or one of those places. Missing Form one, the hunted, the hunted, missing, something like that it was interesting and um, that's the same thing that I have had described to me several times by different people say they are interdimensional they seen the pixelization another lady close by me here she was walking through the woods with her cat and all of a sudden her cat starts acting really strange and she's wondering what's going on because cat can see things we don't see you know and um, she just turned on her cell phone and just started scanning the, the woods and you see this pixelization floating
2: <laughs> around <laughs>
1: And uh, she, she thinks it was one of them in a corked form. And she's a, actually a schoolteacher, a very intelligent lady. And uh, not that, I mean, I mean to say that other ladies are intelligent too, but she's just a very intuitive person.
0: Hmm. Uh, what do you think the big, do you think Bigfoots
1: eat? Like regular game, like deer and stuff like that? Yes, absolutely. A uh, lot of reports of them. Yeah, that. Uh, actually, the wildlife biologist we took up there, uh, Joe Hauser, now in the Montana Vortex, but he is. A, he took him up there a few years afterwards, and to do a study on the flora flanta. Uh, what got him into it, what got him to contact us, was uh, was he ran across a deer carcass when he was out. Cause he works for the PG&E, he was then. And he's seen his legs sticking up out of these leaves, and uh, he, there's a deer leg. He pushed it apart, and uh, the deer's cavity had been broke open, and it was still warm. Mm. And he looked around, thinking it was a mountain lion or something around here because this is still warm. But then he looked around, bo- better, and the leaves had been brought from another location. <laughs> uh, a mountain lion would just scraping over the carcass, you know. Uh, so he said, there wasn't a mountain lion. They just made him a puzzle. He wasn't into Bigfoot at all. Didn't even believe in it. But then it wasn't. But sometime after that, him and his son was up in the mountains camping. They heard these screams around him. And he knows wildlife sounds. And right behind him, he found this. Uh, uh, next day when they were hiking, they found this uh, uh, fecal feces. Mm-hmm. And it was a tubular-shaped uh, long, masticated, which means it chewed up bears don't do that you know you know the bear uh feces when you see it so something defecated and left something like that and that just got him that's when he got a hold of us <laughs> he said, I have somebody I can talk to that knows something about these things because something made those sounds that night and scared my son and i and uh then they found out the next day and he thought okay so anyway i don't know what got me onto that but they do eat like we eat they eat uh, they like we just don't give them anything bad. We had some bad meat up at our camp one time and thought, well, we'll just leave it out for these things They probably like a bear does. But no, it was buried the next day. We found the big handprint over the pile of dirt, and, uh, and sure enough, the bad meat was under there. So that was their way of saying, don't give us that bad crap. <laughs> give, give us that spam you like so well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is their favorite food apples?
1: I don't know what their favorite food is. They go through an, <laughs> they go through an orchard, you know, they'll, they'll rip whatever's there. I, I interviewed a lady one time that had been seeing them go through her orchard twice a year. Uh, when they come down out of the mountains, they go right through her and they rip everything off her tree. And uh, there was all kinds of, she had 20 acres of different type of trees and she had a grape vineyard there too and they would take grapes. And uh, No, they eat like we do. But I know they they take deer too because. Uh, too many reports of that happening. They would have to. They have a protein need. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, I was never really a fan of eating deer meat myself.
1: You know, if you don't catch it fresh, it's, it can taste gamey.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, that's yeah. what I'm familiar with, gamey <laughs> well, deer. <laughs> that's because
1: somebody shot it on the run. That's adrenaline's going through its muscles, and when you eat that later, it just tastes gamey. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: I know. You catch a fresh one, and, you know, catch them while they're sleeping <laughs> so i said that's somebody <laughs> they thought oh man i can do that. that's crude give them a chance Lay them run no uh if you're hunting and you want to you want the you want the venison for your home and you're going to eat it that's important i think don't waste it uh, you got to catch them when they're at rest or when they're not excited i should say and they can just be walking around grazing or something like that and in the bear that we, we had to shoot a bear up there one time was turning up our camp. That was in 1976. That's actually when the, the close-in encounter stopped was 1976. We still hear them. They still uh, – uh, different when different things happen up there, but, but the close-in stuff stopped when we shot the bear, and uh, the bear was just ripping apart stuff, eating our food, and we tried to run him off, but he just wasn't having it. He liked our apples better than we did, <laughs> and uh, he uh, thought he did. But he was shot just a few feet away from us, coming at, at us. So uh, we end up the next day uh, getting him and putting his hindquarters in a pit and eating that. And This sounds a little gross, I know. But I don't hunt anymore, by the way. Oh, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's a little gross. Some people are going to be offended by this. But uh, let it be known that I don't hunt anymore. Last time I hunted was when I shot a deer up there and I seen his eyes glaze over. And life just left it. Uh-huh. energy just left it and that bothered me and uh i know i know some other people that stopped hunting when they saw that too and it's just like you just see the energies depart you know? yeah it's not a good feeling uh at least it wasn't for me
2: right
0: well i i don't hunt i never really did except when i was a kid maybe i would go with my dad but um I don't know. I, I, I think when a person kills something, is they're eating it and, and using all the parts to sustain themselves. It, it's fine. But I think if people go out and just shoot things for sport and then forget about it, I think that's terrible.
1: Hey, I agree with you 100%. I know good friends of mine who just uh, trophy hunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, uh, I don't do that. I mean, I wouldn't do that. Never have done that. Uh, I know some of the family members that still go up there, not my family, but from the Johnson still hunt bear. And uh, basically it's for trophy because bear don't taste all that good most of the time. (laughs) Uh, So, and then I got another friend who's got, he goes up into Canada and he trophy hunts. But they do, I got to say this, he will skin it and take the meat and bring it back and uh, even though he got the trophy he does eat the meat and mm-hmm. that's that's important to me if, if they if they use it because they don't never buy meat I mean, they, they do yeah. their whole winter shopping once a year when they go hunting <laughs> uh, so that's uh, quite a savings if you look at it in one sense but in another sense you can spend a lot of money just trying to get to those things <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah one of the things that this is actually on the topic of Bigfoot but you bring it up in your book about the possibility of the government changing DNA, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because I had a conversation with another interviewer that I haven't posted yet. You know, and I told him like, you know, a lot of times like, I come across people, and when I'm talking to them or whatever, I feel like there's something missing with them, and and I, and I always wonder like, has this person's DNA been changed for some way just well, to make them become more um more easily programmed to be used simply as a soldier
1: well um there's i've strange you bring that up i say that because uh, i i i've been involved a little bit with geneticists and uh there's one geneticist who was afraid for her life because she was genetically modifying uh, primates for DNA. We've been, Hitler was trying to make uh, super warriors, you know, and uh, there's a whole thought that these things, some of them have been manipulated by genetically engineered by our, by our government to, to do just that. Uh, I had a report from a guy who was a, he was actually on a board member of a corporation I was involved in, and he said, I can take you to a place. And he wouldn't even talk to me until he knew more about me, but he said, I can take you to a place up in Alaska, up Fairbanks, he says, where I saw a bear in one of these things. And he says, they are being manipulated by our government. He says, they, this thing disappeared. And uh, uh, right in front of his eyes, he said, he thinks it's a portal. Says a whole theory about portals too but NASA's been studying portals since 2012. I mean, portals mm-hmm. exist. Uh, you want you read about portals, read, read about the Skinwalker Ranch in Utah. Yeah. Definitely. So that's, a, that's very interesting but could the government be messing around with, yeah, no tells what our government's doing. Not what all governments are doing. You know, it's all yeah, I about
0: think they all control. are. Yeah. And if they're using this you know, like I mean, I don't know if everybody's aware, but most of the food that we eat and buy in the supermarket has been genetically modified. So mm-hmm. I mean, if they're doing that at that level where the food we're eating is genetically modified, I'm sure they've done it with humans and those, some of those people are just walking around, you know, passing on the genetic modification.
1: Could be. Uh, Dr. Lear, Southern California, he's passed away now too. I actually witnessed a, an operation that he did removing an implant. These people had play, claimed abduction actually. And uh, they were having this implant in them and they cut one out. He'd done 17 of those and he's gone now. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: I saw a TV show with him on. It was like right yeah, before would, he probably, passed away.
1: Probably LA, Missoula. Well, he's the one that filmed it and I got permission to do that. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> what is that doing? what's it doing to people you know there's all kinds of craziness goes on right we just don't see and you just have to be open-minded but not gullible you know, just think about things a little bit and do your homework and that's what i try to encourage people to do and don't believe what i say necessarily but uh, believe some of it because some of it's really real <laughs>
0: yeah i, I figure I, i'm similar like i, I believe like if it's being done on one level, it's definitely being done on all levels somewhere. Somebody's doing it, you know?
1: Well, we know advanced intelligence is here, has been here, and it's probably here now. What are they doing, and what's it all about? And I got my theories on that. That's a whole other subject. And uh, it's just uh, important that we know who we are as human beings made to be the dominant, uh, not dominant, but the People who have dominion on this planet. And that's one reason these things aren't supposed to interfere with us. And that's what got the aliens in trouble uh, thousands of years ago for the mm-hmm. flood. And uh, that'll get them in trouble again if they're not careful. So they're, they're trying to be careful. <laughs> We're so, special. Let me just say that. We're special. Special.
0: So I'm going to get ready to wrap this up. I have one more question for you. Um, what do you think the fate is for human beings on this
1: planet? On this planet or in eternity? Uh,
0: well, either way, overall.
1: Yeah. Well, I think we're special, and uh, that's even part of scriptures in the uh, old, old uh, ancient texts. Um, we're supposed to reign as kings and priests in the universe, and uh, I like that. I don't know if it's really—I I just want to believe that. Uh, I think we are unique— and once we can get through this evolution that we got to go through to gain our frequency and get it high enough so that we can learn how to respond to everybody with love and caring and not anger and ego, with egotistical things in mind, uh, we got to just be better than what we've been being. we got to stop hurting people, killing people, rioting, and all that stuff. is just got to go by. Got to go bye-bye, let's put it that way. Uh, I think our, our position in the universe is going to be special, and I, I believe that. People can believe what they want to believe, but I think we are unique species of humans.
0: Hmm. What about um, like other higher intelligent species, like such as like dolphins, whales, octopi, uh-huh. stuff like that?
1: Well, they they communicate. They're very they're yeah. intelligent. Whales and dolphins. I've swum with dolphins. I've with whales. Uh, I'm a scuba diver, so. I've, I've been around them. These dolphins are so intelligent, uh, but they, they don't communicate with language like we do. And I think language has a, something very important to do with everything. Uh, they, they do have, uh, an intelligence. The octopus does too. Uh, people think they're alien. And I, I have no doubt that some of these beings, I don't know if I'm in mean, my theory here again, but they've been manipulated. And, uh, Dolphins could be one because they are very, very uh, smart. They can learn a lot. The whales, they carry the most most uh, fascia of anybody, uh, any entity on this earth mm-hmm. that, that collects, that's a cellular, uh, not cellular, but uh, uh, crystalline cellulite that covers all your, your body, basically, it's throughout your body. A, a lot of energy is picked up from that. And uh, there's a whole theory that they have the Akashic records. You know, the whales hold it because uh, they, well, anyway. What about them? <laughs> That's your question. <laughs> uh, right. I think they're very unique, and I, I love that they're there. I wish we stopped just killing them like people are doing. Uh, so. I've swam with the whales just last not the whales, but the dolphins just last year over in Hawaii. uh uh-huh. whole pot of them over there. My friend uh, Joan Ocean takes people out, and she, she has an attraction for them. she I give her a chapter. I don't know if you've read that yet in my new book. Not yet, no. But uh, she's got a whole chapter in there because she used the same form of uh, trying to communicate that she uses with the dolphins over there. She's a PhD, by the way. And she came over here and went to a hotspot where Bigfoot, and she used the same technique and encountered Bigfoots through our conscious level. And I think if you have that kind of love and caring in your in your heart and in your mind, you could have a better result with your whole life. And Also, if you want to interact with these things, uh, some of them, I'm not saying they're all good because I think some of them are not good.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I swam with dolphins also, and
1: they're pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are. No, All right. do they, uh, Yeah. Well, go ahead. <laughs> so no, no they go ahead. The same, they, Well, they don't have the same place on this earth that we do. Uh, but I don't want to degrade them because they're very unique.
0: Yeah. I think they're going to have to come in second. <laughs> <laughs> or third behind the whales. One
1: day. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> huh?
2: Awesome. Well,
0: thank you for being on my show. Um, again, um, just give out your website so my listeners can find you.
1: Yeah. Ron, R-O-N, Moorhead, M-O-R-E-H-E-A-D.com.
0: Yep. And I'm also going to post that on uh, in the notes too.
1: Okay. And all my stuff is downloadable uh, if you don't, you know, if you're outside the United States or, or just don't want the hard copy or even outside the United States, they're on uh, Kindle and, uh, anyway, it's on Amazon, but it's also mostly I encourage people to go on my website to get it.
0: Hmm. Uh, is Alabama outside the United States?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, even the CDs, which a lot of people like those because they're uh, there's something you shove in your car and listen to the story and listen to the sounds. The CDs I offer is a combo set, and a lot of sell those a lot, uh, a lot. But uh, I've had those out for several years. I had those out before my books. And uh, people like those because you can hear the sounds readily. Uh, so the Voices in the Wilderness, my first book, uh, I used to provide a CD with that, with the doubt, uh, or the, came with it, but I couldn't get a, a company, a fulfillment company, to uh, to package the CD with it. So when I went online, I just lowered the price and said, here you can have the book and you just get a download link. Uh That's what you get if you order the black and white version. But you can get the color version, which has a CD, and I ship those out personally. That's uh, pretty cool. Through my website.
2: That's great.
0: Not many people doing that.
1: Well, that's why. uh, It's hard to get a company to do what you want.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the part of uh, working with a publisher.
1: Gary, I appreciate being on. I I feel very, very honored.
0: I'm honored to have you. It was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm going to...
2: Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. Please like and review this podcast on whatever platform you are using. It helps this podcast move up in the ranks and easier for people to find. Also, to tell your friends, family, co-workers, and even that weird uncle. I'm trying to be that weird uncle. If anyone wants to be a guest, you can email me at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and LinkedIn. My website is www.everythingimaginable2020.com. On Patreon, is patreon.com forward slash everything imaginable. You can make a donation to support this podcast. Remember, everything that is was first imagined. Thank you for listening and see you next week. You know, yes, you can also buy my book, Enlightenment Guarantee, the only book on Zen you'll ever need. It's available on Amazon, Kindle, and paperback.